Hey everyone, this is Natalie Ivey, and in today's show, I'm going to discuss the importance of creating a cooperation with internal investigations policy. This is an organizational best practice to help investigators to conduct more effective investigations. Glad to have you with me. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey everyone, I'm really glad to have you with me on the show today. I've got a good one for you, cooperating with internal investigations. I'm gonna talk today about creating an internal investigations policy where your employees are required as a condition of employment to cooperate. So let's get started. Well, why do you think this is an important policy to have in an employee handbook? Well, it's necessary because you have a lot of employees that sometimes just really don't want to cooperate with investigators. They'll say things like, oh, wow, I really just don't want to get involved in this or man, I don't want to say anything. This is about my boss or a coworker. You know that old saying, snitches get stitches. They might wind up in ditches. All right, I'm being joking, uh, joking around about that. But sometimes employees will recite that. I have heard that before. But also, I think everybody kind of really knows that no one really wants to be the rat, if you will, to kind of rat somebody out. If you've watched enough of the uh, movies about the mafia, you know how that works. All right, we're talking about just general employee misconduct types of cases, but employees sometimes really just clam up. And culturally, depending on where they come from, they may really just not even like speaking with people who were in an authority position. So there are a lot of factors that go into why sometimes employees don't want to participate. In this investigator's experience, having managed in uh, union shop environments, when you have uh, a bit of the union brotherhood, sisterhood, or in uh, very tenured environments I've seen, particularly in the government sector, those employees have worked together a very, very long time and sharing information and that may potentially cause someone to receive disciplinary action or to lose their job. If they feel like they might be uh, responsible for that, they may just try to avoid this entirely by just not working with investigators. So having a policy is just very, very helpful because when investigators are working with reluctant witnesses, you can specifically share a copy of the policy and remind this individual that as a condition of your employment, please understand that if you fail to cooperate in this process, it may lead to disciplinary action. Now, what does a cooperation policy specifically say? How might it read? Well, let me read just a little snippet of one. As an employee of, insert name of organization, you shall cooperate to the fullest extent possible in any internal investigation conducted by the Human Resources Department, or you would insert here ethics or compliance, employee relations, what it is in your business, or when directed to do so by persons who have been given the investigative authority by the Human Resources Department or other authority. Failure to cooperate fully shall be grounds for disciplinary action up to and including termination of employment. In the event of a government investigation, you agree that you will fully cooperate with any appropriate government investigation. All right, so that's just a little snippet, and it could certainly read just slightly different in your employee handbook, but that gives you a flavor for what should be in there. 
Now, what do you do, even if you have a cooperation policy, but you may have some employees that just still don't want to cooperate? Well, in my experience, employees who really don't want to cooperate are generally going to be employees who are really, really fearful of retaliation. It may be that uh, in their past experience, they did cooperate at some point, maybe not even in your organization. It could have been in uh, their previous business where they worked. And if they were honest and they cooperated, they acted with integrity, but perhaps the investigators leaked information. Uh, Someone in HR started gossiping about it. And now their reputation is tarnished among uh, their peer group. And they were then ostracized by the peer group. Wow. All right. If you have a person that you're trying to interview now, who's got that sort of history, chances are they're going to run Forrest Run. (laughs) Any of you remember the movie Forrest Gump, right? They don't want to talk with you at all because they fear that being ostracized from their peer group at their current job, that it will turn out exactly like the disaster that they had at their last job. So a lot of times the reasons why employees don't want to cooperate is because of that past experience. Also, in my experience, it's also the subjects. Yeah, because the subjects don't want to say anything. They can incriminate themselves. So avoiding you entirely is kind of the way to go. Well, this is why your policy can really be used as leverage. When they don't cooperate, well, you could give them a copy of that policy and say, interviewee, let's say Mr. Ms. Subject here, I've uh, asked you a series of questions, and each time you just say, I don't like your questions, or you are refusing to answer, which tells me that you are failing to cooperate in this process. This organization does have a cooperation policy. I'm going to share it with you now, whether you're on a Zoom call or you uh, are in person in a conference room. You should always have a copy of that policy handy so that you can call upon it when needed. And even though they read it, they say, I don't really care. I'm, I'm not answering your questions. And sometimes they get a little snippy and nasty. What do you do now? You're the investigator. You need to get information, but you have someone who just is clamming up and they won't say a word. You then just have to plot your next steps. What I would do is really wrap it up. I would say, okay, well, interviewee, subject, we're just going to call it a day here. Now, what I often say to uh, someone when they're really refusing to respond, help me understand. That's a phrase I use a lot. Help me understand. If you really didn't do anything wrong here, what would be your reason for not wanting to really give your perspective on this matter or give us your side of the story? Some of them just say, I don't care. I'm not saying anything. Okay. What I usually tell them is, look, your uh, failure to cooperate is going to be documented here. And uh, if they say, well, what happened? Say, look, that's not up to me. Uh, My role is to be an investigator here. I was assigned this case to gather facts. Uh, It's not going to be my decision because that will be escalated to someone in management. Then at that point, you escalate it to someone in management uh, and you should know who that appropriate party is. And then at that point, they will decide what happens. In my experience, it could be option A would be a disciplinary warning letter for failing to cooperate. It's somewhat like insubordination where they just have refused to follow this process So that could be the option A. Option B could be a disciplinary suspension. And that is more common. And particularly in larger organizations that I've worked with and and worked on investigations, and they just kind of don't tolerate this nonsense at all. It's just, all right, you're not going to participate in this process, then you're suspended. You're suspended without pay pending the outcome of the investigation. And then usually the investigation results in a lot of fingers that point at the subject who failed to cooperate 
And then that generally is going to lead to their separation of employment anyway. But I have had situations come up where there have been individuals as witnesses who simply refuse to give a statement. And there are times that witnesses have lost their jobs over not cooperating. Now, once in a while, particularly if uh, you might be investigating allegations of theft, I have had employees say, and a subject, uh, it's always the subject in this case, well, on advice of my legal counsel, I'm not going to answer that question. And they keep repeating it over and over again, just like a, a parrot, one over one time after another after another. Well, what you're realizing now is, yeah, they've lawyered up. They're not going to say a word and you're just wasting time. At this point, you wrap it up. And just like I said a moment ago, you're going to explain to them they failed to cooperate. And by the way, you need a witness in the room with you. A recommendation would certainly be another investigator. But I realize that those resources are sometimes not always available to you. If that is the case, then at least have another member of management in the room with you who will be able to support that this is exactly what happened either on a Zoom call or if it was in a private conference room, let's say in person, where this interviewee did fail to cooperate. You document that, you now have the witness, and then at that point you turn it over to leadership and it could be that, as I said before, it could be disciplinary action, option A, option B, disciplinary suspension, and usually that would be the latter, pending the outcome of the investigation. And then that witness who refused to cooperate, once the investigation has concluded, it may be that uh, the disciplinary suspension is all that will be required. They fulfilled that suspension. Now they come back to work and they're restored back. I find that more often than not, though, when someone has failed to cooperate, the organizations will move forward with the separation of employment. And the reason is that you really want to enforce your policy consistently. There are, of course, extenuating circumstances, and some employers may decide to make a different decision there. But what I will say is you have to be prepared for the accountability if you are going to have this type of policy. It's a very effective one. And I'm really advocating for all of you who are listening to this podcast today to make sure that your organization has one. All right. So in summary, for this episode, if you have employees who refuse to cooperate, the best practice documents specifically what they said. If interviewing the subject, always another mem member of management in the room with you or on a Zoom call and to investigators best practice when you can. Also, the member of management that you have identified that is a decision maker here, they need to be aware that the employee failed to cooperate and specifically what happened in the room when you were asking them questions. So they really understand what failing to cooperate means. At that point, you uh, plot what your next steps are going to be. All right. So that is it for today's show. I look forward to having you join me for another episode of the HR Investigations Podcast. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.